0: Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise, and I want to thank you for listening to the show today and for your interest in the history of the great state of Texas. I hope you're telling your friends to get wise about Texas. This show, I found out uh, this week, has been downloaded in every state of the United States except three. So I'm going to call out to folks in South Dakota, West Virginia, and Maine that they need to get at least one download in that state, and we'll be covering all 50 states, which is pretty amazing to me. Uh, And I'm so glad that it's being well-received and that people are interested in Texas history. It is fun, fun to talk about. And I hope that uh, this podcast will continue, and I'm going to do it just absolutely as long as I can. I also want to say thanks to everybody who sent in suggestions for the show. The the, uh, number of downloads of this show has been increasing. Uh, The rate of increase itself has also been increasing and so I'm getting a lot more feedback. I really appreciate it. I am writing down all your suggestions so don't be shy and we're going to get to them all over the life of this show. Well it's been a while since I've done an episode in the Texas Towns series so today I wanted to tell you about a little town that existed from the late 1830s until about 1952 and it was on the edge of Galveston Bay. For a while, it was a hub of commerce and then of transportation, but a couple of hurricanes and the coming of the automobile led to its eventual demise. It was a town called Virginia Point. So we're going to go down to Galveston Bay about 1828 and get wise about Texas. Now in 1828, uh, you remember Stephen F. Austin in the old 300. When Texans talk about Stephen F. Austin as the original colonizer, the original impresario, Of Texas and they talk about the old 300 meaning the first 300 families that he brought to Texas and that's kind of where we think that's how we think about it we don't think much past that but Austin had several different land grants at different times and so the first 300 families our old 300 were not that was not the end of the line for Stephen F. Austin he also had a colony on the coast and it was called appropriately the Coast Colony, and the town of Virginia Point was on the Coast Colony. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where what it looks like today, just in the interest of uh, giving you some orientation. The town of Virginia Point, if you're driving down I-45 to Galveston Island, you're going to get on the causeway, and that's the big bridge that links the mainland to Galveston Island. And if, as you enter the causeway, if you will look to your left, you'll see the railroad. And right on the bay shore, at the foot of the causeway, on the east side is where Virginia Point was. So there was a village there as early as 1840, and they ran a ferry from Virginia Point to Galveston. There was no causeway of any kind in 1840, as you might imagine. And so they um, ferried goods to and from Galveston Island. By 1856, there was a railroad coming to Virginia Point. The railroad was called the Galveston-Houston and Henderson Railroad. And the significance of that railroad was that from the ferry landing at Virginia Point, you could now get to Houston because of that railroad. And, and that was important because the railroads of the state, as they entered the state, they found their hub in Houston, And so we now had a rail connection from the mainland right across from Galveston all the way into Houston. In fact, that railroad ran dead straight until it got to Harrisburg, which uh, is now part of Houston, but then was a separate town. And uh, there there were only two curves right at Harrisburg. So that was a very straight shot from Virginia Point to Harrisburg. And it was called the Old Reliable Short Line because it only ran for 50 miles. Well, there was a railroad bridge that was built from Virginia Point into Galveston in 1860. So now the train didn't even have to stop from Houston. It could go right into Galveston. They used that train, that bridge, uh, and the Galveston-Houston-Henderson Railroad to run goods back and forth to blockade runners during the Civil War. Now, the Galveston-Houston-Henderson Railroad lasted a long time. It ended up in a lot of litigation Uh, It was sold and reorganized under the original charter and the original name several times. Uh, It actually started carrying the Galveston newspaper into Houston in 1877, so it was a news train. Then we had the 1900 storm, which destroyed the bridge that the company had built across the bay. So the company then used, uh, the GH&H then used the Gulf Colorado and Santa Fe bridge until a new causeway was built in 1912. Now, the railroad uh, began to decline a little bit and became merely a terminal operation in Galveston, and it finally merged into the Missouri Pacific in 1989. But the Galveston-Houston and Henderson old reliable short line operated for 136 years under its original charter and name, So, and no railroad in Texas has done it longer. Well, I want to tell you about one of the original promoters of the H and one of the original promoters of Virginia Point. His name was William Jefferson Jones. He was born in Virginia, born in 1810. He was a deed recorder at at the courthouse in Virginia and Caroline County and was licensed to practice law in Virginia. He spent some time in Washington, D.C., where he was admitted to practice before the United States Supreme Court. He moved to Georgia for a time, and in Georgia he met Marabou B. Lamar, the second pre- who was to become the second president of the Republic of Texas, and he worked at Lamar's newspaper. Marabu Lamar had a newspaper in Columbus, Georgia, called the Columbus Inquirer. Now, it wasn't just purely a newspaper. It was a political advocacy arm for one of Lamar's friends named Troop, who was a Georgia politician. But nonetheless, William Jefferson Jones worked there, with Lamar, he eventually moved to Mobile, Alabama, where he had, Jones had his own newspaper, the Mobile Morning Chronicle. He eventually made it to Texas, as did Lamar, and Jones was Lamar's campaign manager when Lamar ran for president of the republic in 1838. Now, you'll remember we talked a little bit about that election. That's the election where uh, you were either a Lamar man or a Houston man. Now, Houston was not running because as the first president of the republic, he was constitutionally forbidden from running for more than one term in a row, but his picked candidates were running, and two of them died before he finally found a third, and Lamar beat that candidate handily. So Jones ran Lamar's campaign. Uh, Lamar put him in charge of some militia on the frontier. Jones went on to fight with Ed Burleson, Colonel Ed Burleson, in the Cherokee War in 1839. And after he came back from that war, he decided to put his law license back to use. He ran for and won the bench of the 2nd Judicial District in 1840. Now, Jones, that the district courts in Texas began with Judge Benjamin Cromwell Franklin, and you'll remember him from the very first episode of Wise About Texas. And he convened the 1st Court, which happened to be in the 2nd Judicial District, in 1837 under the government of the Republic. But in those short three years Jones was actually the fourth judge to serve on that same bench. The court was only three years old. Franklin had resigned after a couple of years. Uh, The next judge who was appointed, a gentleman named Fontaine, uh, took the bench in August, discovered how much judges actually make, and resigned the following month in September. And then the third judge of the court resigned when the legality of his appointment was questioned, and he ran against Jones in 1840, and Jones won. Now, district judges at that time were part of the Texas Supreme Court, and the Texas Supreme Court up to that time had not functioned in an official capacity, but it started to actually function during this time, and Jones, as a member of the Supreme Court, authored 17 opinions, and One of his opinions was interesting. He held that the Indian tribes of Texas were not nations that would be dealt with as sovereigns, but they were more like wards of the state. And uh, this, of course, was in keeping with Maribu Lamar's policy of trying to push the Indians out of Texas. He was also, Jones, was also the author of the last opinion to come out of the Supreme Court for the Republic of Texas, which was a case called Mitchell v. Barton. That opinion was issued on December 30th, 1845, so he did have a couple of milestones while he was on the Supreme Court. Jones also had a cotton operation on Virginia Point, and this was significant because he was growing a species of cotton called Sea Island Cotton. This is cotton that was grown in North and South Carolina on the Barrier Islands, And Sea Island cotton has an extra-long staple length. And there are other species, but this one is rather well-known. And so the Sea Island cotton was of a higher quality than much of the cotton that was being grown elsewhere in Texas. Eventually, Jones moved down to this plantation at Virginia Point in the 1850s. And he began the promotion of the railroad that we talked about, the Galveston-Houston and Henderson Railroad. Well, in 1860, right after that bridge to Galveston was completed, uh, the Civil War broke out, and during the Civil War, the Union blockaded the southern coast, including Galveston. The government, uh, the Confederate government in Galveston had uh, guns at Fort Point. Now, you'll remember that Fort Point on the eastern end of Galveston Island was the same place where David Burnett spent April 21st, 1836, in a tent while the Battle of San Jacinto was being fought. So, it had been a fort since the earliest days But they also fortified Virginia Point, and they called it Fort Hebert. Well, Galveston had to be evacuated in 1862 when the U.S. Navy entered Galveston Bay, and everyone was evacuated to Virginia Point. Uh, They stayed at Virginia Point, and then General John Magruder launched his attack on the Union ships from Virginia Point and recaptured Galveston in the famous Battle of Galveston. And of course, as you might expect, I'm going to save that story for its own episode, because it's a great story. But Virginia Point played a significant role during that time. Well, fast forward to 1893, because by 1893, there were three railroad bridges and a wagon bridge. Now, at that time, the railroads each built their own bridge. So you had plenty of traffic through Virginia Point. Now, if you want to compare it to today, think about that enormous buc that they built in Texas City. When you're on your way to Galveston and needed to stop, I'd say back then, uh, not having a buc in 1893, you probably stopped at Virginia Point. So there was a ton of traffic. And the Jones family, by this time, uh, William Jefferson Jones was fairly elderly. Uh, his son, Walter C. Jones, wanted to expand Virginia Point and lay out an actual city, um, he had a little bit of trouble getting that started. And of course, seven years later, we had the great storm of 1900. Well, even after the 1900 storm, Virginia Point was still plugging along. It had some houses, it had some uh, recreational bay, fishing camps and such. But then we had the 1915 storm. Now, we don't talk a lot about that storm. I did a three-part episode Earlier this year, on the 1900 storm, but the 1915 storm was fairly significant and it really was the death knell to Virginia Point. It destroyed almost every structure uh, except for one uh, structure that had to do with the railroad drawbridge and then a couple of other small structures. Uh, so it really destroyed Virginia Point. Uh, activity c- continued around the area from time to time. Some of the fishing camps were rebuilt. Uh, when I-45 started getting built in the mid or the mid-20th century, there was a lot of activity in the area, as you might imagine, being the foot of the causeway. Uh, the University of Texas operated a shell and topsoil company in the area, utilizing some of the Bayshore, and then eventually the town, the city of Texas City, annexed the Virginia Point area in the 50s. Now, there's one other little interesting story I want to mention, and we're going to go back to William Jefferson Jones. He died, by the way, in 1897, but we're going to go back to his time on the Supreme Court in the time right after the Civil War. He was on the Supreme Court in the 1840s, and I mentioned earlier that he'd written that opinion holding that the Indian tribes of Texas were not sovereign nations or entitled to equal treatment, but rather they were more like wards of the state to be managed which is not something that uh, we believe in today, uh, but at that time was a fairly significant issue. And one of the things that he cited in that opinion was a discussion about uh, comparing the Indians uh, to the master-slave relationships that also existed at that time. Well, if you go to right after the, civil, the period right after the Civil War, remember that William Jefferson Jones had that huge cotton plantation. Well, he set aside 320 acres of his land to divide up and sell to the newly freed slaves. And he sold it on very favorable terms to families that he considered industrious. And it turns out that some of those families, many of those families actually, were headed by men who had been cowboys for George Washington Butler. George Washington Butler came over in the 1850s from Louisiana along with his brother, and they established the premier Longhorn Ranch in Texas in what is now League City. And so many of his cowboys were uh, black cowboys, and they, would, they bought this land in William Jefferson Jones' 320-acre uh, settlement. And that's, in fact, what they called it. Uh, the residents called it the settlement. Uh, some of the Galveston residents called it Campbellville because the preacher was named Campbell. Uh, but it's generally known as the settlement the uh, electric railroad that used to run from Galveston and Houston called the Interurban uh, split the settlement in half, and the, and the area began being called Highland Station for a stop on the railroad, and it was a thriving area into the early 1900s. And in 1953, Texas City annexed that, uh, the area called the settlement along with much of the other Jones land that we discussed. Well, Virginia Point was always a center of activity in Texas going back to the 1820s, but it never did quite become the city that William Jefferson Jones envisioned. Now, the ease with which we travel to Galveston now has probably been the reason that the area didn't develop more. But for a long while, Virginia Point made significant contributions to the Gulf Coast of Texas. Well, now we come to the part of the show called Getting There, where I tell you how to find some of the places that I talk about in the episode. Now, I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but I'll go ahead and tell you again. The the town of Virginia Point was located as you drive south on I-45 to Galveston right before you enter the causeway on the Bay Shore. Look to your left. That's to the east, and that's where Virginia Point was. At low tide, uh, there's a road called Virginia Point Road, and you can go in there, and I'll try to drive down there in the next few days, take a few pictures for you, and put them on the website and see what's still there. The railroad tracks, of course, still cross the bay right at that point, Uh, but I don't think there are any, at least any above-ground structures left from the town. There is a historical marker commemorating William Jefferson Jones. It's in Bay Street Park in Texas City, and that's located at uh, 14th Avenue and Bay Street in Texas City, and it commemorates William Jefferson Jones' life. Uh, There's also a historical marker commemorating the settlement, and that's located at 117, that's 117 South Bell Drive in Texas City, and there's a historic house and a fenced-off yard, and there's some other information there that you can see about the original families that worked there uh, in connection with the uh, George Washington Butler Cowboys and the historical marker is there commemorating the settlement. There's also a very interesting marker uh, also in Bay Street Park in Texas City at Bay Street, Bay Street and 14th Avenue North commemorating the site of Austinia. Austinia was a town uh, located in that coastal, in Austin's coastal colony a little bit north of where the historical marker is. And and it turns out that Stephen F. Austin was interested in establishing uh, foreign trade in ports in the Galveston area. That was an idea that he really pushed. And Galveston, I mean, the uh, Mexican government, of course, didn't want that, forbid it, and that was one of the things that disturbed the citizens of Texas and incited them to resolu- revolution. But uh, they had established... Uh, uh, what was going to be a port called Austinia, and after Stephen F. Austin died, his sister, Emily Austin Bryan Perry, owned Austinia, and there had been plans to build houses and build a railroad from Austinia to other parts of the colony, but it just never did come about, so check that marker out too. And of course, the Texas History Museum in Galveston, the Bryan Museum, always pops up in these episodes because of their incredible collection of Texas Historical Memorabilia, and they have a portrait of William Jefferson Jones and his wife hanging in the main lobby of the Bryan Museum, so you can go down there and see what he looked like. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. I want to thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I want to thank you for all the great feedback. Please keep it coming. If you'd like to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, you can support the podcast at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wiseabouttexas. If you think it's worth a buck or two, check out that site. We hope you'll like the like and share the Wise About Texas Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at Wise About Texas. Same at Instagram at Wise About Texas. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas and we'll see you down the road.